Leviticus 26, 12, it says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. If we could capture the reality of that verse, how, how different would we look? How would it impact us? How would our faith, how would our lives be transformed? You know, it's so easy to read those words sometimes, but to truly think about it. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I really, I want to put our thinking caps on. I truly want the Holy Spirit of God to speak into each of our hearts so we, we, be, we really grasp, we understand what God is saying here when He says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. What would it look like to walk with God every day? In every moment. With, with every thought that we have, with, with every decision that we make, that being reflected in an intimate relationship with our God, because that's what God is saying. I will be your God. I will walk with you. You will be my people. I want that intimate relationship with you. Daniel had that kind of relationship and it impacted every single area of his life. Okay, so last week we were talking about this whole idea of holiness and we we talked about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's idol. Right? They wouldn't bow down. Death was upon them, if you will, and they refused to change. They refused to compromise. While now here in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel refuses, okay, to stop bowing down to his God. They switched things around. They were trying to, the, the satraps and the governors and all these other leaders, they were jealous of Daniel. They didn't like Daniel. They wanted to do away with Daniel. And they thought of, how, how can we get this guy, how can we trip him up? How can we cause him to fall short here? How can we cause him to compromise? And then they went through it. They said, we can't do it. I mean, he's, he's a holy, he's a holy man. He's a righteous man. The only way we can get him is if we trick, if we trick him and, and get him to do something that has to do with his God, because we know when it comes to his God, he stands strong. So in Daniel chapter six, verses six through ten, here's what it says. So these administrators and satraps, went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that everyone who prays or anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, should be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree was published, this is what it says, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was opened Toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. But wait a second. Culture changed. Daniel was going and praying three times a day to his God. His whole life. This is what he did. 
Why? Because that's what the law said. That's what the word of God said. Daniel was holy. Daniel was righteous. Daniel was set apart. Daniel knew who he was. So Daniel would go and do that. And all of a sudden they change the law. They change the culture. And they basically say, Daniel, now you have to submit to this law and to this culture. And what does it say? He learned about the law. When, and when, I, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed and, and, and giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Nothing changed at all because nothing changed in his life. The foundation of his worldview hadn't changed didn't matter if culture changed to Daniel. Daniel wasn't going to change. We need to ask ourselves, what would it be like to have the faith and the courage of Daniel? To have that kind of faith, to have that kind of courage, to be so fully engrossed in a relationship with God that no matter what anyone else says to you, no matter what the culture says, tries to redefine you. That you're not going to be moved. Because you belong to God. How, how can we live a life of holiness that leads us to try to be more than just good, if you will. But be like Jesus Christ. What would it be like to, to think of when it comes to holiness, not just, oh, I want to be better, I want to be good, but thinking about what it means to be, have your life engrossed in a relationship with God, that you would walk with your God, that God would walk with you every day of your life, that He said, I will be your God, and you, you all are going to be my people, my special possession. So, what does it mean when God asks us to be holy as he is holy. That's what he says. Be holy as I am holy. What does it mean to be his people? What does it actually mean to walk with him? That's what we're talking about in this series. That's what really we're discussing. What does it mean to truly walk with God? And when he says, you're my people, what does that actually mean? For many Christians, when we think of holiness, this is what happens. Because this is just culturally ingrained in us. We think of, when we think of holiness, we think of maybe um, some monks who are hanging out in a monastery who are totally silent and doing absolutely nothing. Right? Get behind a wall, keep the world out, um, just walk around, you know what I mean? Eat whatever you eat and, you know, sacrifice your whole existence. And that's what we think about. Or when we were younger, when we were younger, maybe we went to um, some prayer meetings on Wednesday nights and you're you're really young. And so, you know, you're sitting there and people are praying on and on and on. You don't really know what they're saying and you're it's just overwhelming for you. So maybe it was just for you. Holiness is this long, boring prayer meeting, whatever. Right. I had when I was a youth pastor, I had a junior high youth pastor work with me and he went now when we were in this church, he, there were pews. OK. If, if you were to nod a little bit and hit your head on the chair, it wouldn't really bother you that much. Okay? These were like wooden pews. So he would sit there, and our pastor was a good preacher. But somehow, this guy just, he, I don't know, he had, he had narcolepsy or something? Is that when you fall asleep when you don't? Okay, so I want to make sure I said the right thing. I'm like, that. what does that mean? Okay, so he would sit there, and throughout the sermon, he would sit there, and you know, all of a sudden, he would, you could see his eyes. And it was kind of funny, because he would start to, and then his head would go, boom. 
boom, on the pew in front of him. And this was a wood, hardwood pew. And you'd think after the first thud that he would, he, it would hurt a little bit and that it would be embarrassing. People like, you know, what's that, that noise, you know? Three or four times during the service, the guy's falling asleep and hitting his head on the pew. That's sometimes the way we think, right? It's, you know, we don't have this mentality that it's like something dynamic. It's something incredible. It's something like, yeah, you know, other people think that it, it's really follow. You say, if I say holiness or righteousness, you think it's following a bunch of rules like don't drink or don't dance or, you know, don't do this or don't go there or don't go to the theater or don't, do, you know, whatever it is. Don't gamble, whatever. You, they, they have a list of things in their mind. It's all about the things they shouldn't do. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Or some people think, man, I'll tell you what, if you're, this series is on holiness for the next whatever weeks, oh, I, I'll, I'll wait till it's over, you know, because it's just too lofty for me. This whole idea is just too lofty. Or, 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 I was, I grew up in a church where when they talked about holiness, it was way too legalistic. Everything was about what you do, what you do, what you do, what you can't do, what you can't do, what you can't do. And they pounded that away, and they used guilt, and they used shame, and they used all these things that get you to, you know, to, to, to kind of get in line and be holy. That's the way some people think. That's the way they think. Or even in our era of relevant, thought-leading, tech-savvy, postmodern Christian leaders, holiness is most often connected with the, a moral behavior, you know, like uh, sexual purity or financial, you know, being, being, uh, being uh, honest financial, financial honesty or those things. Even when you hear people speaking about it, that's pretty much where the focus is. We, we act as if, if holiness is some kind of seriously like outdated, um, it's either outdated or something only a few Really uninspiring Christians uh, care about or talk about because it's not cool, right? Talk about holiness and righteousness, and you throw in sin or something. You know, that's gonna man. Don't hit, if you hit, hit your head on this thing, it'll at least be more comfortable for you. I guarantee you will not fall asleep. You know, it's so funny. You guys sometimes say, "Hey, man, I was really tired. Sorry, I kind of nodded off a little bit there. My eyes started to close, I, in, especially in the back row. I can't tell that you or your wife. Okay, I can't see that far." Okay, so if you nod off, that, that you know, I'm not, I'm not paying attention. But don't nod off because this is really important stuff. All right, really important stuff. Why is it that we think that way? Why is it that we've gotten to the point in our churches, okay, in America or everywhere else, why is it that holiness has kind of taken on this connotation? Well, I have a few thoughts. Well, last week, the first one for me is last week is really important, okay? Part of the mentality comes from this idea, this intense desire to be culturally relevant, okay? The most important thing for a church is to be culturally relevant. Now, I'm going to stop for a second because I want to say this. I personally want to be culturally relevant. I do. I want to, to the best of my ability, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, tried to adhere to what they were asked to do as long as it didn't interfere with what the Word of God said. So they didn't just go against everything Nebuchadnezzar said. They didn't just go against everything that Darius said. They went along as, as far as they could. They tried to get along, okay, until it caused them to compromise the Word of God. And then there was no getting along. That makes sense? All right, so I want to be culturally relevant. And I think about this, you know, 
the difference between the culture relevance that I would like to have is that I won't, I will be culturally relevant until I'm being asked to compromise the Word of God. Then I don't want to be culturally relevant anymore. And I'll be honest with you. You think about our church called Grace Chapel. And are we culturally relevant? And I would say absolutely. There was a book written a few years ago and the author basically asked if your church just disappeared overnight, would your community even care? Would they even notice that you were gone when they drove by? Would they even notice that you were gone? In our church situation, they certainly would. The school would notice because we're heavily involved in the school and helping out as much as we can. People actually work on this campus in the Orca Center. With people play on this campus in the Grace Impact Center. People come here for all kinds of reasons, not just for Sunday morning. We are relevant to our community. We invest in their, in their businesses. We help them with their family lives. We help them with their, with their companies. We are relevant to our community. We don't have to compromise the Word of God in order to be relevant. That's my definition of relevant. If your church disappeared, would the community care? And I can honestly before God say our community really would care. They would care because we impact people's lives within the community because we invest, we care about them. So many Christian leaders want to be the person and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. This is just, I'm not saying everyone, but there are so many Christian leaders out there who, who want to be that person who can be the crossover guy. You know, they can be loved by both Christians and culture at the same time. And so they sometimes compromise in order to be loved by the world or loved by culture. I think Christians are often concerned that if they talk too much, if we or Christian leaders talk too much about holiness or righteousness, that they're going to alienate non-Christians. Right? They're going to alienate those, those unbelievers and they don't, they don't want to do that. I mean, let's think about it. Most, right, people would say, well, most non-believers don't want to hear anything about, about holiness. They're not interested in holiness at all. But here's what I find interesting. I read article after article after article that the present generation is tired, okay, of the glitz and glamour of the 21st century church. You know what they're looking for? You know what word they use over and over and over again? Authenticity. They want it to be real. They're looking for something with truth and with substance. They say, we want something authentic. That's what they're looking for. Well, sometimes I think we get confused here of what people are actually looking for. We, as we lose ground, as the church, Christianity in general, loses ground, and often losing our, as we lose our children, we, it's like we keep compromising. It's like we keep stepping back, hoping at some point we'll be accepted. If we just compromise enough, then we're going to be accepted. We, we scream loud. We're, we're no different than you. We're no, there's no difference. We do, we, we are just like you. We just love Jesus. That's not being set apart for God. I'm just exactly like you. I just love Jesus. That's not, Daniel, Daniel would go along. You can go to work. You can go to work and you can work hard and they can ask you to do this. And you may not even like it, but it's not wrong. And work this and do this and make those hours and, and do this thing and do this task. But the moment they tell you, we're having some, we're struggling this quarter. I need you to take the books home and I need you to make sure that the third quarter numbers just reflect a little bit better than they actually are. Uh, I can't do that. That's, that's, that's when the line is drawn. 
Why? Because the word of God says you can't do that. So you can go along. You can be the best employee in the place. But as soon as they ask you to start fudging the numbers, that's something you cannot do. That's something Daniel could, could not or would not do. See, it's so funny. It's almost like we think, well, you can't be... You can't be a thought leader. You can't be a trendsetter. You can't be a. Uh, you can't go on tour and speak at conferences or or speak at seminars and, and, and be a major blogger in the Christian world or be the pastor of a significant church and talk about holiness and righteousness. Right? It won't work. I mean, you're not going to get popular that way. You're, you're, you're not going to. You can't talk about those kinds of things. You can't talk. Certainly can't talk about sin. You might offend someone, and so we basically compromise and we back off. And for this, for this, and other reasons, we as believers sometimes, I think, as a as a larger group, not Grace Chapel specifically, but Christianity in general, we're 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 backing away from a commitment to holiness. We in general are backing away. And you, and it's just, I say that, and it's just, this can't, you understand, this can't happen. Okay? This can't happen, but we are, we're backing away from a commitment to be holy and set apart for God. According to a recent Gallup poll, they went around and people who would identify themselves as Christian have the same moral views as people in the mainstream culture, when it comes to concepts or, or topics such as divorce, spousal abuse, sex between unmarried adults, pornography, materialism, racism, polygamy, just to name a few. That somehow, I find this, I find this almost hard to believe, that they, they interviewed people who would call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, and we have the same views as people who are in mainstream culture. Most people in our culture do not, do not see believers as holy or morally different in any significant way. And in some cases, they would say that we're basically hypocrites. You know why they say that? Because... A lot of non-believers know what the Bible actually says. may not like it. They may not adhere to it. They may not go along with it. They choose to reject it. But they know that's the way you're supposed to be living. But you're trying to be so... You compromise so... Not you personally. But we compromise so much of our faith that they're thinking, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. There's no power behind what they're saying. See, if we're going to change culture, we're going to change the culture's view of, uh, uh, of Christianity, we need to stop moving away from this concept, this idea, this truth of holiness. But instead, we actually need to recover the true meaning of holiness. Therein lies the problem. That's why I started off the sermon talking about what people think, why people think. This is when you say holiness, oh, it's some monk who's going in a monastery or, or it's some, some long prayer meeting or it's some this or this guy won't do such and such. The, 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 prob, the problem we're having is that we have the wrong concept of holiness even within the church. Even within the church. See, here's the reality. We... The body of Christ are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. Holiness is not just something a small group of superhuman Christians try to achieve, okay, by sacrificing their entire lives. At the very end, they finally get to the point where they're, they're holy. 
but it's only a few, right? It's only a couple of people that you've ever met that are really, that you would say are holy. And see, that, that, that's a misconception. In the, it, it, it's not a matter of you, someone spending their whole entire lives and a superhuman Christian person who spends years and years and finally attains holiness. And that's not what the Bible says. It's the beginning. It is the center of God's will and God's calling on your life. It is the beginning. Okay, listen to me. It is the beginning and the very center of God's call and God's will on our lives. Like I said last week, it's more about being than it is about doing It's more about who you are. It's more about being than about doing. It's not rules driven. It's relationship driven. Holiness is relationship driven. Let's go back. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will walk with you. If I said to one, if I said to you guys, let's say two of you, I said, you know, I, I want to spend more time, a couple of guys, I want to spend more time hanging out with you, okay? I want to kind of walk, I want to walk with you through your life. I want to invest in you. I want to be your friend. I want you to be my friend. I want to invest in your life. And I shed a tear while I was saying it. Would you think, man, I wonder what kind of, um, and I'm not talking about being a pastor, just a person. I wonder what, what kind of rules he wants me to follow. I wonder if he's going to make me jump through any hoops or say any, you know, chants or I wonder what he's going to expect me to do. Wouldn't you think more, man, that's awesome. Guy wants to invest in my life. He wants to have a stronger relationship with me. He wants to be my friend. He wants to, he wants to go back to back, you know what I mean? Like we're, we'll fight battles together. This is deep relationship. That's what God is saying. And all of a sudden, what we come out with as human beings, it always comes down to do, 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 do. I gotta do something. Now, living out your life for Jesus Christ has a part, but I'm not gonna get there yet, okay? It's more about being than it is about doing. It's not rules driven, it's relationship driven. Now, I know the term holy carries with it a strong secondary connotation to moral purity. Okay? But that is, that is not, that is not its primary purpose. Can, I want you to stop for a second and just let that soak in. Okay? Being morally pure is not its primary purpose. The primary purpose of holiness is not to be morally pure first. It is to be in relationship. It is to be set apart. It is to have, it is to be in Christ, to be in God, it is have that, that intimacy with Him. That's the first connotation. We said the most basic meaning of holiness last week was what? To be set apart, right? That's what it means to be set apart. It means to it, it it means to be dedicated to God. It means to belong to God. You, if you gave your life to Christ, you belong to God. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to anything. You belong to God. It means belonging to God. God said, "I will be your God, and you will be my people." It's a belonging. So before we think, before when you think holiness, before you think morality. You need to think relationship. What does it say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? Listen to these words. 
You come to Jesus Christ, you, you're, you, you, you give in your life to Jesus Christ, and this is what it says in 2 Peter 2.9, but you are, let's be clear about that, but you are what? A chosen people. A royal priesthood. Wait a second. You are a priesthood. You're a chosen people. Wait. A holy nation. You're a ho- you are holy. A holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So God did these incredible. When you gave your life to Christ, you're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A, a, a God's special possession. Right? And so what do you do because of that? It gives me goosebumps. You get fired up about it. God has done that in your life. You are. You are. That's what you are. What the, what are the, what are the, what are the, we read it, we were singing that song. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours and you are mine. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Do you know what happened when you bowed your knee and said, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. That's what happened. And because that's what happened, you declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, you begin to respond to him. We're going to get there. You begin to respond. I'm not saying that a relationship with God doesn't have moral implications, but God is asking you to be holy before he's asking you to be good. Write that down. Seriously, if you just if you can't remember it, God is asking you to be holy before he's asking you to be good. One, one has hierarchy over the other. One comes first. The other flows out of that, out of relationship, out of incredible gratitude to God. I begin to live and behave a certain way. Because of who I am, I begin to live and I begin to behave a certain way in my life. I don't want to believe... Yes, I do. I do want to believe the point. Because if we don't get this, if we don't get this... um, We don't grasp this concept. We reduce... And this this can't be... We can't do this. If we don't grasp this concept that I'm talking about right now, you and I will reduce holiness to a bunch of rules, to a set of do's and don'ts, and that is a crime. To reduce holiness to a bunch of rules or to uh, to uh, you know some just a just a just a, a bunch of you know set of do's and don'ts kind of thing. We we have to get this concept ingrained in our hearts and in our head to give you a better understanding. I think we need to go back to a verse that I've I've quoted over and over and over again over the last uh, few few years actually. Colossians three three. What does it say? It says, Listen, you died. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it says you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let that sink in. When you gave your life to Christ, you died. Resurrected, you were baptized, right? It doesn't, you know, I'm just saying that's the best symbolization. The death and resurrection. So you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that's our foundation that we're talking about. We need to see holiness less 
less about rules and more about relationship. We need to see holiness through the lens of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's what we usually do. We often just see holiness from an Old Testament viewpoint without understanding it in the light of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus, Jesus came to earth, fully God and fully man. And when we give our lives to him, we died. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. We need to see holiness through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Those who have been, those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ have become one with him. Grasp, let this, this is not rocket science, you can understand this. When you gave your life to Christ, you became, you became one with him. Being a follower of Jesus Christ also means more than just believing in God. People say, well, I believe in God. I think one of the statistics here when the, when the Gallup poll did this, they asked people, well, you consider yourself a Christian? Yeah. Well, you, you believe in God? Yeah. And then they asked them some questions. Maybe they didn't. But I find it discouraging if that's not at least partially the case. But here's the thing. It is more, this is what I'm saying. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's more than just someone saying, I believe in God. Holiness is beyond that. James says that in James chapter 2, he says, you believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You believe this one God? Great. That's great. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It means, it means being united with Jesus Christ in and through the Holy Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it, it builds on this. Listen to what it says. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Okay. Now, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What then should be the response? The idea here, you have been crucified with Christ, you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Now, the response would come from Romans chapter 12, that I would offer up my body because I'm breathing still. Okay. But my old self has died, my, the new self has come, and what is my response to this amazing gift that God has given me, that I am now one with Him? What's my response? To offer up my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. This is my spiritual act of worship. That's how I worship Him, by living for Him, by living for Christ, by living for God. Because of our union with Jesus Christ, we participate hear me, we participate in the life of God. He dwells in us and we dwell in Him. Listen to what it says in John 17, 21. Jesus says this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because of that truth, we can say, That in Christ, God's holiness is portioned to us. Hear what I'm saying now? This is, this is starting to shift. Holiness. A bunch of things I follow, and so everybody else thinks I'm spiritual. Or I gotta, I gotta walk this straight. I, now, wait a second. If I am in Christ, that means that God's holiness is portioned to me. Because I am one with Christ. I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. So God's holiness is now portioned to me. He calls me to be holy, but then he's the one who allows me to be holy. 
Be holy as I am holy. Sends his son Jesus Christ into the world, fully God and fully man, to die for our sins, covers us with his blood, that we can be holy. That's what I said. It's at the center, at the beginning and the center of God's will and purpose for our lives. His willing call on our lives. It's not something that comes at the very end. Some super duper Christians all of a sudden sacrifice and sacrifice. And finally at the end of their lives, they get to the point where they're holy. And you're like, wow, four people. Wait a second. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. You're, you're holy. You're holy. Why? Because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. So God's holiness is portioned to us in Christ. We're already holy. We have been made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection through the blood of Christ. And because of that, here, this is important. Because of that, we should be so overwhelmed with gratitude that we want to be like Him. God has, God has given us, okay, perfection in Christ. We are holy. What are we again? I'm sorry. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. God's special possession. So if that's the case, we should be so overwhelmed. It should give us goosebumps to think about this. We should be so overwhelmed with gratitude that we want to be like Him. We want to obey Him. That's where morality comes in. Does that make sense? That's where the morality comes in. Holiness being set apart for God. God choosing us as His people. God saying, I am your God. You will be my people. I will walk with you comes first. You go, I'm getting goosebumps. This is incredible. You've transformed my whole life. I, I, am, I am now in you. You are mine. I am yours. It, this is amazing. How should I respond? How should I respond? I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm so overwhelmed with thankfulness. What did, what did Daniel do he went in his room opened up the windows right and prayed three times a day he was thankful to his God we should be thankful to our God and because we're we're so overwhelmed with gratitude we begin to live out the life of Christ what does the word of God expect me to do what does the word of God want me to do how should I respond to my wife in that situation how should I respond to my little brother in that situation should I steal that I really want it should I steal it should I do this should I do that see when when your life is now hidden with Christ in God the Holy Spirit indwells you and all of a sudden it's not about rules it's about relationship I would dishonor I would dishonor the one who's given me so much if I did that so I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. We have so much. See, that, that, my friends, should be the foundation, should be the very foundation of any thoughts from here on out, from as we go through this series, that should be the foundation of any thoughts that we have about holiness. And with these truths in mind, we begin to realize that... that, 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 that there's so much more that God is asking of us than, than to just be moral. 
It's, it's far beyond just being, if that were the case, okay, if it were just being, if it was just about being moral or good or, or the rules, the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 10 would have been just fine, wouldn't he? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 and he says, teacher, how must I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, and he knew, Jesus knew where this was going. Um, you know the law. Why are you asking me something like this? You know the law. And he went through a couple of them, you know, Old Testament, you, uh, Ten Commandments kind of thing. And, and the rich young ruler says, I have done all these things from my youth. From birth to now, I've done all these things. And Jesus said, well, good for you, buddy. Be about your business. That's not what happened, was it? That's not how it ended. That's not how, that's not how, that's not how it goes. See, if our idea, if our idea of holiness is limited to rules, that we can do these things and we can't do other certain things, and we will, uh, guys, listen, we will never ask the truly important questions of life. This is so important. If, if our idea of holiness is only limited to a bunch of rules, then we will not ask the important questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? What is God's purpose for me? Or, in the case of the rich young ruler, who's your first love? See, God wants you, when you, when you understand holiness, you start to self-reflect. You start to internalize this. You start to ask yourself really important questions like, who's my first love? Who's my first love? See, Here's the thing. Jesus made him ask that question. He should have been asking himself that question. But he wasn't. And Jesus had him ask that question. You know how he did it? He said, the guy's all done. I've done these things from childhood till now. And he's about to walk away and just said, oh, wait, I got one more thing for you. Come back over here. I ask another question. Um, If you want to follow me, he said, go sell all your possessions. Give to the poor. And come and follow me. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. But what was Jesus doing? He said, Jesus was saying, he's saying, well, how can I inherit eternal life? You know, you're a Jew. You understand the law. What does the law say? He didn't understand the law. Because what does the law say when they ask Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go back to what Jesus said. I got another, I got a question for you. Oh, I got, here's what you need to do. Sell all your possessions. Who's your first love? That's what he was asking him. Who's your first love? And then give to the poor. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Exactly what he was saying, right? And the rich young ruler was like, bummed. Like that didn't work out too well for me. Right? And he walked away. Sad. He walked away. Because his first love was not God. See, it takes us back to Monday to Sunday. Being faith active in every single area of our lives. God, my friends, and I am, I'm just going to keep saying this as long as I am breathing here at Grace Chapel. God should consume our lives. His call to holiness is radical. His call to holiness is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. It's not about, well, how can I do this? Well, here's a few rules. Well, I did those. I did those. And usually, here's the thing. We pick the rules. Christians are great at this. People are great at this. We pick the rules that are easiest for us to follow and judge everyone else by the rules that are easy for us to follow. 
right? If you don't struggle with drinking, that's one of your things. Well, I don't drink. If you don't struggle with cussing, well, I don't know, you never hear me cuss. If you don't struggle with whatever, well, you never hear me say that. But then all of a sudden you struggle in other areas. But that's the thing when God says, well, you got to give up such and such. Well, well, I'll slink away. God's not interested. God's interested in your heart. He's interested in your attitude. He's interested in your deep abiding love for Him. His call to holiness is radical. It is all-encompassing. Not just the things that we find easy, the things that we find difficult. And through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, He will help you live those out in your life. I was reading, I was reading, and I come across this, this quote by David Peterson that I love. He wrote this, With regard to God's people, holiness means being set apart for a relationship relationship with the one holy God to display his character listen in every sphere of life every sphere of life that's radical to display his holiness in every sphere of life that can't come because I am so great at keeping the rules that comes from an incredible desire to please a God who I'm so thankful for, I'm overwhelmed by. That's what we should be striving for. We should be striving for a deeper, more intimate relationship with God and all these other things will fall into place. All these other things will fall into place. Don't walk up to people and say, you want to be a good, strong Christian? Stop drinking, stop smoking, stop cussing, stop sleeping around, stop. Do all these things and then you can... That's not that... You know what you want to do? You want to share the love of Jesus Christ, the gospel with someone. You want to share God's love. You want to share the holiness of God, the truth of God's holiness and how amazing it is and what he gives to you, the gift, that, the free gift that he gives to you. And then he will help you overcome the things that you need to overcome. Don't waste your time trying to tell people who, who are dead spiritually that they should stop doing things. Share the gospel with them and let the Holy Spirit work in their lives and they will stop doing the things that God is calling them to stop. That's important. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means that we died to self. It means that our old nature is completely and totally consumed, continually, continually consumed by our new nature. We, listen, we live in Him and because we live in Him, We serve Him. We live in Him. We live for Him. Because we live in Him, then we live for Him. One has hierarchy over the other. And if we put the, if we put the, the, the moral before the relationship, you're gonna be bogged down with discouragement is what's going to happen. Holiness means that all we have belongs to God and every area of our lives should be shaped and should be directed toward God. Every area of our lives shaped and directed toward God. Like I said, holiness, holiness is not primarily about morality. But let's just be honest. If you, after the sermon, if you went and spent your time and tried to truly understand what it means to be holy, that would have, if you understood holiness, that would have a profound impact on your personal choices. It would have a profound impact on your decisions, wouldn't it? 
I could stand up here and pound away and read you scripture and pound and pound and stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing this and stop doing that. You know, um, I've learned as a youth pastor years and years ago that giving us talk on sex, why you shouldn't sleep with your girlfriend works for about two weeks. And then they start thinking about it, too. Well, good talk about sleeping with your girlfriend. And they struggle a whole bunch. But you know what? When I sat down and invested and discipled someone and invested deeply into their lives and helped them understand the true nature of what it means to be holy and what it means to be righteous, they made their own choices. And they were long-lasting. It wasn't extrinsic motivation. It was intrinsic motivation. It came from within themselves the Holy Spirit of God, not their youth pastor making them feel bad or guilty. The Holy Spirit of God taught them and showed them and helped them. Daniel belonged to God and it showed in every single area of his life. Notice how Daniel, notice how Daniel never wavered in his decision to go and pray after Darius laid down the law. Was it? He didn't even waver in the decision. Why? Here's why. Because it was never an option. My friends, the culture is changing. The culture is shifting. The culture is coming in and saying, now this is right. Now this is right. Now this is right. Now this is right. And you, we, we, we don't, we don't, we stand strong. We don't go along. Why? Because there is no option. If this doesn't change, this doesn't change. If, you, if, if the word of God somehow would change, then Jeff would change his mind on certain things. But I can't because I, be, I am set apart for God. God chose and set me apart. I belong to Him. I've dedicated my life to Him. I'm set apart for Him. So regardless of what changes around me, Daniel would not change because, because that wasn't, it, was, it was not a part of his nature. It's not an option. Here's the reason why. He knew who he was. I know who I am. I know who... Right? We sing that song. I love that song, don't you? But the question is, do you know who you are? Daniel knew who he was. And more importantly, whose he was. He was holy, set apart for God. The idea of shifting his mindset or compromising in any way was not possible for Daniel. Because he belonged to God. He did not belong to this world. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not belong to this world. You belong to God and God through what he's given you should, should, should there should be such intense gratitude we should live out his word in our lives what, you know let me ask you a question what's a more effective way to help someone to stop making poor choices to dictate to them what's what they should do or shouldn't do or to teach them holiness think about it takes a little longer. It's easier to say, quit doing that. Or to sit down and point out what God means when he says to be holy. Understanding what it means to have a life hidden with Christ and God helps you become a person who makes godly choices. Okay, so over the next few weeks, what I want to do is I want to take the time and go through people within the word of God who can, who can teach us the way to holiness. 
people who can help us discern, people who can, who can give us wisdom and insight into what it means to truly walk with God. So we're going to look at David. Why is David called a man after God's own heart? Right? Look, we're going to look at people within the Word of God who can show us what it truly means to walk day to day, moment to moment, every thought, every decision, focused on the mind and will of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, to share your Word with a, a group of people, a church that desires to be more like you. I pray, dear God, because this is not going to be easy. But I pray, dear God, that we would grasp these truths, that we would apply them to our lives, and that through the help, only through the help of your Holy Spirit, through the help of your Holy Spirit, that we could become more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not going to happen overnight, but help us to walk the path that you have laid out for us. And may we be holy as you are holy. Thank you for that gift. Now give us the strength to try to live that out in our daily lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.